Hello, Millennium Live listeners. Welcome back to another episode of the Millennium Live podcast series on leadership and discovery. And we have a great cybersecurity-focused episode. And we have another partner who is coming back to the podcast to share why they are a top choice for leadership in cybersecurity. Cody Chamberlain, the Head of Product Enablement at NetSpy. We're going to highlight some of their differentiators and the talent that they have on their team of why they're such a top choice in the space today. I want to welcome Cody to the podcast. Cody, welcome. Uh, it's great to have you here. Thanks so much for the opportunity. Really appreciate it. And, um, you know, always enjoy talking about NetSpy. So it'll be a fun, <laughs> fun chat. Well, I would love to dive right into it with you. And, and to get your perspective and, and, and maybe a, a, a greater perspective on how NetSpy is helping the world's most prominent organizations really discover, prioritize, and remediate those security vulnerabilities. The first episode we did with, Net, with NetSpy, I had uh, Vinay Anand. He is the chief product officer. We talked a lot about offensive security. We talked a lot about generative AI and some of the new technologies that are that AI is bringing and, and the risks that that brings as well. And uh, he offered some advice for CISOs uh, to really navigate the complex threat landscape of today. I want to talk a little bit about that threat landscape and how it continues to evolve. So, Cody, how can cybersecurity leaders really best communicate across the C-suite about the heightened risks that their organizations may face and, and the threats and, and the vulnerabilities that are out there? Yeah, I think historically the industry fell so hard on we can't get breached, right? Like we can't get breached, we can't get breached, we can't get breached. As the reality set in that all these people got breached, it really needed to take a different tone of, you know, we probably will get breached, but let's really understand what happens if our business is impacted through these you know, more ransomware type attack scenarios or um, how we're going to get knocked off offline, right? I think it's changing a lot in the way of not only, you know, may we get breached, but we're going to be, you know, not delivering our products or we're not going to be delivering our services or we're not going to be generating revenue. And I think that's a lot more impactful uh, to business leaders, especially executives around you know, it's one thing to get breached. We have cyber insurance. We have kind of this fatigue of consumers on being a victim of, of a breach, right? So it's it's like the sting of a breach certainly doesn't carry the the same pain. And having more of a, a discussion on, look, like MGM was down, they may have a certain kind of uh, liability as it relates to you know the, the consumers and how they're impacted, but they just lost a bunch of revenue for that time period, and that's going right. to be really impactful. So I think that's really where uh, it's landing and being much more materially received by executives when you can put it in that context versus you know breach, breach, breach. And I want to get into some of the uh, some of the ways that they can um, that leaders today can help defend their organizations and create that greater IT landscape. And as you mentioned, you hear. Uh, so many breaches these days, and it seems like every day there's a new one. Um, actually, as we're talking today, uh, Okta had you know big cybersecurity breach. According to CNBC, breaches wiped out more than two billion in market cap. So obviously, this is affecting revenue. This is a this is a big problem. You know, from what you've seen out there, how can these leaders better educate themselves on the uh, on the current IT landscape? You know, I think one of the things that 
I've had the benefit of seeing NetSpy is a proud member of the, the KKR family of portfolio companies. And that's given us a lot of exposure to, you know, CISOs and in boards. And the reality is there's a lot of awareness out there. I think people would be surprised at the level of acumen that the board members have, you know, whether they're coming from a technical background themselves or just the exposure. So really connecting with their boards, connecting with each other, um, having conversations about what they're experiencing and sharing that information amongst themselves kind of at their level, right? Like when they can do it in a way that meets their, you know, their focus, right? The the, the operations chief or the finance chief or the people chief, um, they're all going to have their own kind of nuance and their own kind of perspective of these. So being able to engage with maybe their board members or um, their advisors or their um, connections, if they are a, a private equity company or a VC-backed company, there's all this support that's out there. And unfortunately, some of it is lessons learned, right? People that have gone through it. There's just realities. There's just more and more board members who have experienced what it feels like to have to make a decision on whether or not to pay the the ransom or to kind of deal with the incident response process. So I think that's the 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 best tool out there is is each other and to know that um, there's a lot of really good experience out there. There's a lot of really good board members out there, and I'm sure they're more than happy to talk about their experiences and and relay it in a way that's going to be really impactful for you know executives and C suite members. Right. Kind of speaking on things that you might be hearing in the news. I want to talk a little bit more about some some potential mandates that are that are coming out, and and um, you know you're kind of seeing more ways that we can be more aggressive in in adopting AI and and tools. We we talked a lot about that with Vinay on the last podcast, specifically healthcare and device management. These are things that are going to obviously help. But do you kind of foresee a greater awareness of cybersecurity as these new mandates and increase? Cyber attacks that are happening make these uh, make these headlines in the news. Unfortunately, sticks help, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, it, it helps. Um, I think a lot of CISOs would love to use the carrot and and kind of get the board or get the executives or get the users to really have the heart of saying like this is what we need to do. But at the end of the day, sometimes it just helps to have a stick. Uh, the stuff out of the SEC recently. The cyber uh, security executive orders, right? As we look more into how privacy is going to have an impact on that, I was just reading an article today about how you know the CMO is going to drive a lot of budget potentially just with the impact of privacy regulation and privacy issues around data and data custodianship and data stewardship. Every CISO, I think, at the end of the day, loves it. You're right, because you have a stick. That doesn't mean they think that's the difference between the good CISOs and, you know, the, the less effective CISOs is the usage of the stick and, and how it's used. But yeah, I, the, the mandates as they come down, it's probably long overdue, especially creating things at the, the macro and federal level to give us kind of common denominators, right? So that we're not playing whack-a-mole across states, across countries, having kind of the complexity understanding, you know, where we can put certain pieces of compute and cloud instances, the more consistency that uh, we can have as an industry, you know, is really going to benefit everybody. It just helps us scale. It helps us be more transparent and just makes it better for everyone, for sure. When Vinay was on Millennium Live, one of the main topics that we discussed 
was something that really defines NetSpy and its offensive security. And we talked a lot about how it's evolved into so much more than just simply pen testing and going from this reactive approach to a proactive approach, right? So I want to get your take on it, Cody, and how do you define offensive security and going up to the plate and going up to bat for the organization? What type of service offerings fall under this category of offensive security? And why should cybersecurity leaders be making this offensive approach an integral part of their security strategy? You know, as as we look at offensive security, it's really that umbrella term, right? Like, as you mentioned, and different paths, depending on, you know, one of the things we, we do a lot at NetSpy is ask the, you know, when we work with our customers is what, what questions do you want to answer, right? And that, let's work our way backwards from there to figure out what that means. Reality of, of cybersecurity is that there's a lot of terms that kind of mean the same things, but are used kind of differently, <laughs> um, but... <laughs> And that's by offensive security is the combination of things like penetration testing, attack surface management, you know, red team operations, breach and attack simulation. But it's it's exactly what it is, right? It's offensive. When I was kind of listening to the question, you mentioned get up to bat, and it just kind of triggered that like the sports analogy I use a lot is um is just that it's when I talk to kind of new sales reps that are coming in and that's by that don't know a ton about cyber. You break it down, it, it's that easy, right? Um, right? It's just how do we run an offense um, that's going to test our defense, right? We've done all these things. We've spent all this money. How do we validate, right? To me, offensive security is all about validation. At the end of the day, are we you know, getting the things out of the tools we spent our money on? Are our processes doing the things we expect them to do when you do like penetration testing, right? Like, is the software development lifecycle operating the way that we expect it to? Why do we have all these vulnerabilities, right? Why do we have these common vulnerabilities? And it's really continually challenging us um, as an industry to keep testing ourselves and to keep pushing ourselves. I think it's easy to implement tools, right? I think in the industry, we've all kind of been in those situations where, you know, we, we spend X amount of money, we hit next, 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 next on the tool, it's up and running and we all kind of pat each other on the back and it's like, oh, wait, somebody's got to go do something with this thing now. Like we need to go operationalize it. And by utilizing offensive security, you know, to, to kind of maybe like the second part of your question of like, why is it important? Same reason, you know, it's important for a football team to have a scout. Right. They're running the offense as though you're going to play that team coming up next Sunday, right? And you're going to learn and you're going to learn to adapt to how that offense, that threat actor is going to operate. And what better way to do that than against the actual scenario? So that's that's to, to us how offensive security is kind of defined. Um, and at the end of the day, why it's so important, because if you don't validate, if you don't test yourself, you know, you're going to get tested eventually. Right? <laughs> so do you want to, um, get tested by Christian McCaffrey on the field, you know, as a Vikings fan, you know, uh, in the, in our long overdue win that we had last night, um, do you want to get tested by, by him? Or do you want to have your scout team really kind of test you and push you first so that you're ready? Um, and I just, you know, there's no better analogy, I think, than that. My jets were uh, tested and, and believe me, we've, uh, we've uh, countered lots of vulnerabilities on that team. So <laughs> just, you guys have, have had some challenges and I, I, you have our hearts. 
there's there's no reason you guys have had to go through the way you have so a little bit of a tangent sorry millennium alliance listeners <laughs> well i i do and and speaking of offensive security and 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 uh taking charge and testing i want to i want if you could uh cody walk us through NetSpy's unique approach to this and and really the types of ways of what do you offer to customers across your solutions portfolio and perhaps what some current customers are saying uh, about you right now yeah. and, and the solutions absolutely i think the most common um you know phrase or, or tagline that that i use a lot when talking about nuts by I, I steal from our ceo aaron schultz is that we're at the intersection of technology and talent and that is is so fundamental to the nets by dna of saying what is the technology piece that is super effective here what are the things that we can do from a you know a technology perspective to make us you know better faster more efficient and how do we then use that technology to be really intelligent about how we use humans right like the reality is we've all heard them ad nauseum negative unemployment rates da -da 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 -da, about our industry but when the pendulum swings and you claim you're going to engineer the human out of uh, a, a pen test, you can engineer a human out of a bad pen test. But certainly there's there's going to be creativity, a need for that you know cognitive ability to make decisions and focus on things that technology to this point um, just hasn't been able to effectively do. So when we go to market with an offering or um, a service, you know, there's almost always a, a large amount of technology kind of baked into that. That technology is going to do things on behalf of our consultants that add little to no value to the process. It's, you know, log management of all the output of the different technologies he or she are using as part of the delivery of the test or report generation, all those things that any kind of commodity, quote unquote, player can provide we're going to do on behalf of our testers. That has a big impact, not only on the fact that we can have our testers focus on, you know, higher severity findings because they're focused on authentication, authorization, session management, business logic, because we're able to use the technology to kind of get rid of the super scalable, fast signature based things that technology is good for. But then the people are able to focus on that. So our customers get you know, much more high fidelity, higher quality, better consistency. But as a business at NetSpy, we hold on to our people. That's a huge, huge aspect of our business in that our retention rates are extremely high. Uh, we have very little attrition in, in our organization in part of that, right? Like I'd love to say that's all us in product because we deliver such great technology, but you know, um, it's, it, it is an aspect of the fact that we do a lot of the things that testers just don't like doing for them. We as a business just have this really healthy team of people who have been here for years and years and years um, without kind of the, the, the high cost of uh, employees moving in and out. Uh, but we have been able to grow that using things in our uh, kind of training world. We call it NetSpy University, but we use a lot of technology uh, in that regard. So we have a lot of labs that are spun up and stuff like that, that for a more entry-level person coming into the organization, uh, we have really scalable tech in place to help them 
understand the kind of net spy way. What we believe and would argue have been validated by the industry is, is the leaders in, in testing. Uh, how can we kind of impart that uh, knowledge onto folks that are coming in early in their career? And then for more experienced people, how can we make sure that we have that level of kind of assurance that they have certain technical uh, acumen or technical um, abilities through the use of labs and, and kind of uh, uh, capture the flag type of experiences um, so that when they come in, we can kind of say with, with a high level of, of efficacy and high level of um, kind of quantitative detail that they're able to, to deliver at, at certain thresholds. You know, kind of a, uh, yeah, this is something I could probably talk about for two hours alone. <laughs> but, you know, fundamentally, the combination of that tech and talent, Cody Wass, uh, you know, my friend and, and leader in our, our services organization started as an intern at NetSpy and now has 300 security consultants in his organization. And he creates an environment of positivity and, and kind of lifting people up and sharing knowledge. It's not just organic necessarily, like it takes work, right? It's you know, right. The, the kind of cliche of like relationships take work, culture takes work. It, it takes like folk, like a very concerted effort to be in a position of saying like, this is the type of environment we're going to have. This is the kind of values, the expectations we have of one another, of lifting each other up and, and being good consultants and what it means to deliver um, kind of moments of magic to our customers. Again, you know, it's it's the combination of just having these humans, the Scott Sutherlands, the Carl Fossens, the people who have been at NetSpy for 10, 15 years who are renowned in the industry, literally wrote books on how things are done and and t- take the, the, what makes them amazing and do our best to kind of plant those seeds in the next generation and the next generation of, of um, our company. Talent is so important, especially when, you know, recruiting in cybersecurity and it makes a company like NetSpy so much better. And I do want to, I want to talk a little bit more about talent and what that means in specifically in cybersecurity and the industry. But before I do, I want to throw a fastball right down the plate. Artificial intelligence seems to have just taken the world by storm. And Mm -hmm. we talked, we talked about it on the podcast before. You know, this shows no signs of slowing down. Uh, specifically, I talked to Vinay about generative AI and perhaps some of the cybersecurity risks that are coming with it. So how, how has AI changed the the attack surface uh, as a whole? I think it'd be easy for a lot of folks to kind of roll their eyes about AI right now. And I get it. I mean, you, you look at the way kind of blockchain spiked, what was that, maybe two years ago, and that kind of, you know, abated now AI is kind of spiked. I just, it's not going to abate the same way. You know, I think at the risk of offending a lot of blockchain, you know, folks, in a lot of cases, I think there were blockchain uh, offerings that were kind of looking for a problem, right? They, they had the solution, but they didn't always have the right problem to solve. AI, I think, is, is here to stay. Uh, will the level of you know, of that, right? To your point of like, you know, what's coming, right? Like, well, that's a big part of what is in our uh, society right now. Uh, will it have the same kind of pervasiveness? No, it's it's going to certainly uh, ebb a little bit, but it's there's there's too much at stake, I think, in society and too much of a benefit provided by AI. You know, just this is more of like a 
Cody Chamberlain, just kind of like soapbox optimistic thing. <laughs> uh, but when you look at what this is going to be able to do from a healthcare perspective, when you look at like how it could potentially uh, help from a climate perspective, there's, there's so much benefit that's going to be coming generically through AI that, that it's really exciting and, and great. With that comes uh, risk. You know, Vinay on the previous conversation did a great job of kind of articulating those risks, but at the risk of, uh, as someone who who isn't as well versed in that space as 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 he, you know, it just is going to introduce so many issues around data and data integrity. Right when we talk about the CIA triad of confidentiality, integrity, and availability, it's like integrity sometimes gets kind of second fiddle to kind of like, well, we can't release the data with these models, with the way the models are being trained, the way that they can be poisoned. You know, it, it could introduce a little skepticism on integrity. It could introduce skepticism on the idea of, of video, of audio, right? Like today, we kind of take a video as gospel, right? We have video evidence. Once you kind of say that, it's like, oh, it's, it's video evidence. That's going to degrade that audio evidence. We have a recording of X. Um, so it, it's going to introduce a lot of really interesting, I think, skepticism probably not fair, right? But right or wrong, it's going to be easy for a bad person to be like, well, it wasn't me. Deep fake. Um, <laughs> yeah, was. And there might be enough kind of uh, maybe, right? There might be a, a little bit of enough ignorance out there to inject a little bit of, of issue there. So I think overall, you know, there's certainly going to be a need for some regulation around this for protections around um, I was literally just reading an article earlier how some or organizations have found ways to inject invisible kind of data elements into pixels so that um, if artists or creators, uh, intellectual property is absorbed into a model, it'll kind of protect itself from the model. You know, and, and there's just going to be more of those kinds of things that are that are going to be put out there um, to help kind of mitigate those risks. And as far as just like tactical cybersecurity, right, is the, the things that make our business apps and our, um, you know, consumer experiences so amazing with AI, the, the attackers get it too, right? Um, generative AI is going to exponentially, uh, <laughs> to be hyperbolic, uh, improve phishing emails, right? It's going to mm. uh, immensely improve um, the way attackers communicate in a very kind of crisp and concise way, you know, you do your no before uh, fishing training. What do you do? You, you look for kind of the broken English. You look for this and that. And there's going right. to be certain aspects of those that are going to be completely removed with the advent of um, generative AI. So it's going to improve attack scenarios a lot. It's going to improve attackers ability to communicate. Um, but it's the arms race, right? Um, you know, we'll have, we'll have it. They'll have it. I'm an eternal optimist. Uh, the, the good, the good ones will win, right? Well, <laughs> we will, but it is, it's going to be, it's going to be more difficult for sure. Yeah. Well, we need optimists in cybersecurity. That's for one and to plug uh, another episode with NetSpy, but we're going to be doing a whole talk on the healthcare industry uh, with Phil Morris, managing director over at NetSpy. And We'll dive into all things AI and some of the things that healthcare or healthcare organizations are do are doing to adopt this technology because I know they could be some of the slowest in the industry to do so. But you know, you mentioned it, uh, Cody. There's so there is so much potential involved. So how are you seeing in NetSpy 
the way that you're leveraging AI in your offerings uh, to mm -hmm. organizations and, and within your solutions. It is a really exciting time in that. I mean, there's there's the kind of mundane aspects, the ability to use something like generative AI just to help write findings, to help do the output of things that are pretty repetitive. And, you know, NetSpy, we invest really heavily in kind of like the, the depth and the high quality of the information we deliver. Um, but there's certainly opportunities there um, to help kind of enable our experts as they write findings, as they develop more and more content to get the same kind of assistance that we're all going to be getting day to day with the co-pilots of the world, right? There's no reason to, to keep writing the same function over and over again um, when AI can help you write that and you can focus on, on the stuff that the AI can generate as well. The other things, I mean, we have terabytes and terabytes of data from years and years of testing. So being able to do data science and analysis of that and really help enable, you know, vulnerability prediction and attack path analysis and blast radius, like all these things that we'll be kind of coming to market with over the next year as well, as we enhance our offerings and, and enhance our technical enablement of our offerings, you know, that's really where it's going to get really exciting is how we're taking the things that uh, we've developed over the years and putting much more analytical power into it. Uh, our data science team headed currently today, uh, our head of, head of data science, Nick Stang, really, really incredible talent in internally at NetSpy and continuing to grow. And we'll see what the, what else the future brings for sure. I do want to ask one more question specifically on talent, because I think this is such an important area. And it sounds like NetSpy has such a great team working for. And to be honest, it's such a hot topic now because let's be honest, there's a big talent shortage in cybersecurity specifically, I think I heard somewhere there's somewhere around 600,000 open positions in cybersecurity in the U.S. alone. And the, the, the problem seems to keep growing. So having such a great team in your organization, you pride yourself in human-delivered approach to penetration testing. And you said it before of how a, such a great team makes such a great product. So what type of, uh, could you be, perhaps elaborate more on just the, the team that you have. And for those cybersecurity leaders who are trying, who are finding it difficult to attract talent, how do you find the best in the industry and how do you, what helps attract talent and, and, and skills-based uh, cybersecurity leadership in, in, in today's, today's climate? I mean, it, it's not easy. You know, I, I'm going to kind of harp on that a little bit, I'm sure, because it's, it's something that I think can get taken for granted a little bit of like, oh, you just kind of create this, this organism and it just kind of lives, right? Like it, it just, but it has to be fed. It has to be nurtured. It has to be taken care of. And the ways that we do that at NetSpy, one is, is I would say the thing we talk about the most from our people perspective is NetSpy U. So I, I know I kind of already talked about it. So at the, the risk of being kind of redundant or repetitive to what I had said earlier. Nets by you, for those who don't know anything about it, is a program for folks that are new to offensive security. And we pay them. We pay them to learn how to be pen testers, how to be offensive security operators. And that, for one, is key in that they're not generating any revenue for us in that time. They are literally learning. 
This is an organization led by Aaron Yeager. He has folks like Melissa Miller and Ryan Krause and Jake Carnes and these really, really fantastic mentors. And the reason I kind of say them by name, you know, for one, go find them on LinkedIn for the listeners because uh, they're just really bright and fun, great humans. Uh, but two, it, it's about the values that that they instill, right? Like at NetSpy, it's it's not written on the wall by any means. But I think one of the things that does exist is, you know, do as I do, right? It, it's not about what I say. It's everybody acts in ways that align to our values. And therefore, others act in ways that align with those values. So that's really key. But we bring the folks up to the program. Not everybody makes it through. It behooves us to make sure the most we can, because these are paid roles, but it's it's not something that's a given. The folks that, you know, unfortunately don't make it, you know, it is a situation of come back. Let's maybe try it another time if you can go out and get maybe these certain aspects of experience or whatever. But a lot of folks that our leaders in our organization started in NetSpy University. Now, that doesn't mean we don't look to the market, right? The market's weird right now, right? Like the, we have so many jobs open, but we're still cutting, right? A lot of organizations are cutting right now. So there, there is a lot of good talent out yeah. there looking. Being able to really be specific about the types of people we bring on, being very transparent about who we are, what, you know, what our values are, what to expect. It's just personally, as I've gone through the process of, of interviewing and bringing folks onto the team, it's very transparent, right? Here's what's good. Here's what's bad. Here's what's, here's where we have room to grow. And I think having that transparency, having the fact that we're not perfect, we are really focused on being the best that we can be. And therefore, you know, the right people kind of gravitate to that and we're able to go to the market. We're able to get diverse perspectives. It's not just a bunch of people sitting in a room patting each other on the back because we've been doing the same thing for 10 years, right? It's okay. Let's, let's bring these new folks in. Uh, we've had a few acquisitions. We brought on Silent Break Security and Invisium, which has brought in some amazing talents. Uh, Leo Pates and in, in his team and Rich Wolford from a, a red team operations perspective from Silent Break, you know, they came in and, and they really helped us level up. Our CEO, Aaron Schultz, is, is very specific on culture and very specific about when he goes out to engage with a founder who's maybe ready to sell, that we are very specific about the organizations we bring on. You know, it's it's about, so just, you know, to kind of recap, you know, it's, we're bringing up entry-level people. We're doing it in a way that is structured, but is fun and engaging and gives folks a, a connection and a cohort. We're bringing in experienced people, but you know we're being very specific and we're being very open and transparent. And we have a strong M&A strategy on bringing other organizations in. So, you know, it's, it's hard work. It's, it's something that we talk about a lot. And the tough thing is it's, you, it's, you don't always know what it is, right? So yes. what is the thing that makes it great? <laughs> we don't always know it because if it was that easy, everybody would do it, right? Like, oh, it's these three things. <laughs> like that was easy. So that's the other thing is operating in an environment where you don't necessarily know what's working. Yeah. You know, I, again, this is another one of those things I could talk about forever, but um, that's that's what that what we talk about at NetSpy, what, what we are really well focused on. And um, we've had hockey stick growth. You know, we, I was, let's see here, 2019, I started at NetSpy. I was employee like a hundred 
and we'll be a 600 by the end of the year. It's been wild, but you know, it, it is, it's still really focused on those, you know, values, the mission, the vision. Yeah. It's, it's been great. That's awesome. And one of the best things about being in cybersecurity, in my opinion, would probably be just the mission and, you know, the, the sense of purpose, you know, you're the defense of the organization. The mission is something, you know, that, that I talk about a lot and, you know, what is the mission, you know, it, it is what it is to you. Um, but as long as you have that, you know, I think you're always going to make good decisions. You're going to do the right things, right? Um, when you realize that, like, fundamentally, we all have different aspects. You know, if you're in healthcare, you have patient care networks. If you're in, you know, government, you could have the ICS systems, the water treatment systems, and commercial space, we have food systems and food supply. Like, it's when you really think about the impact that you have as a cybersecurity person in the day-to-day, when you realize it's not just, hey, I got a, a letter from a company that, you know, I'm going to get free uh, identity monitoring for a year because something happened. When you realize it's literally like feeding people because it's supply chains and stuff like that, mm-hmm. it, it is it is an immense weight and um, it's, you know, can introduce anxiety, but uh, it certainly, I think, is an important North Star for a lot of people because it's a lot of the people, especially the ones that are most successful in cyber, know that and feel that and carry it in their heart. And, you know, whether you're doing a startup and your goal is to exit, awesome. This is this is capitalism. Go exit. But you're going to exit bigger and better because you followed the mission. And I think a lot of people um, have have benefited from that for sure. <laughs> this has been such a great Great chat, Cody. I I want to thank you for your time and 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 kind of end the podcast as I usually do, sort of uh, with uh, some words of wisdom and predictions. And especially as we enter twenty twenty four, you know, in, in your thoughts and from what we've talked about today, you know, what are some of the high level cybersecurity predictions for the new year and coming up ahead? I mean, there's cybersecurity moves like everything so fast. And there's a lot going on and things get more aggressive and, and cyber threats and vulnerabilities get more real. Uh, what trends and perhaps topics uh, should uh, CISOs and other cybersecurity leaders who are perhaps listening to this episode in its entirety to, um, to have on their radar for next year? Yeah. Well, first, thanks for sticking with me, uh, whoever's listening. If you made it this far, uh, <laughs> I do appreciate it. One of the biggest items right now that that has really caught my attention is is more just the business of cybersecurity. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of consolidation. There's going to be some failures. Um, Ironnet, you know, for example, had their bankruptcy uh, not long ago um, on the network detection response side. You know, I don't think there's necessarily a, a huge group of organizations that are going to fail necessarily. But there's a lot of organizations that took a lot of seed, a lot of uh, series funding that had certain revenue expectations that are um, coming back down to earth. And with that, you know, acquisitions, consolidation is going to be a big part of the industry through next year, I believe. What that, you know, really means at the end of the day for CISOs and stuff like that is just, you know, being really cautious about uh, the people you partner with, right? The people you're working with, uh, the organizations you're investing in really, you know, holding them accountable to what their roadmaps are, what their plans are to deliver for long-term value because they make it consolidated by somebody, or I'm sorry, they make it acquired by somebody that doesn't necessarily fit your roadmap. So I think that's something that'll cause a little 
hesitance uh, in the industry, which won't help that process, right? Because it might just kind of beget a little bit more skepticism in, in purchasing and stuff like that. But, you know, I think it, again, eternal optimist, I think it, it's good. There are certainly a few maybe startups out there that were closer to features than businesses. Um, so there's going to be situations, I think, where where they will find each other and they will come together and and grow. And, you know, again, there's, you know, the, the cybersecurity market is um, so important and so big that uh, I think there's going to be more, far more winners than, than losers. Certainly, like I mentioned before, AI is not going anywhere. The, the market entrance uh, from the perspective of protecting you in ensuring that AI kind of data integrity that I mentioned before, I think is going to be, you know, a huge push. Um, and, and then who knows, right? I think, you know, the one thing I know is that I don't know, right? <laughs> Beyond that, of, <laughs> yes. Hopefully, nothing catastrophic, and hopefully, nothing too terribly impactful, nothing that we can't be resilient to and absorb and learn from. And um, yeah, just keep helping each other, share as much as we can with one another, and, and fight for the mission for sure. I'm right there with you. Uh, Cody Chamberlain, Head of Product Enablement at NetSpy. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to join Millennium Live podcast and talk all about why, really, NetSpy is the global leader in offensive security. It's a great company. It's a, one of my favorite partners to have on the podcast. Come come uh, join next next year, and, and we'll, we'll get an up, update, a part two to this episode. And for the audience, thank you for listening and stay tuned for another episode, Millennium Live with NetSpy with Phil Morris, Managing Director. We'll get into healthcare providers and NetSpy. Uh, so, Cody, thank you so much, man. So, uh, appreciate your time and, and thanks again for joining. We'll see you soon. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure.